When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Morning, everybody. Here we go again for the final time in 2022, Friday, December the 16th. So the countdown is on to Christmas, but my last show of the year. Thanks for joining us on SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, wherever you're tuning in via the SEN app. As always, it's been a pleasure to have your company throughout the course of this year. Our forecast for Sydney Today, some showers around this morning, already a few early, but clearing later, tops of 22 in the city and 24 in the west. And the weekend ahead, well, pretty much the same. Some showers around for both Saturday and for Sunday. What's on the menu this morning? Cricket, football, the lot again. Uh, I'll catch up with Adam Collins up there in Brisbane, SEN Test Cricket commentator, all over it for the first test at the Gabba on Saturday. So tomorrow is day one. The odds are pretty much even. Well, they are even, in fact, for Australia and South Africa. I checked um, the latest odds just before I came on air and paying a dollar ninety each. So the bookies can't split them. I think it's going to be a fascinating series. No real news out of either camp at the moment. Obviously, we know what the Australians are doing there with Scotty Boland in, but the build-up will certainly ramp up over the next 24 hours. Former Socceroo Clint Bolton will join me. The World Cup final is just now three days away and can't split the odds there either. So the market looking at uh, favouritism for France and Argentina in this one. Uh, What kind of scoreline do we get? Both teams will have their full squads available when it comes to possible suspensions or anyone being ironed out. I'm going to get to that in a sec because it's quite fascinating. What is the legacy of Qatar 2022? So much controversy leading into it, so much drama at the start of it and throughout. It's like most things in the world of sport in particular that a lot of the drama and talk stops once the competition starts. And that was certainly the case for Australia with our run and how I've pointed out quite often how the Socceroos dealt with the whole human rights situation before they got over there and then... Um, stayed on the bus, on the Aussie Pride bus while they were there. Spirit, spirit, spirit. And they got the entire nation behind them and delivered on the field as well. But what is your legacy? What's your takeout of Qatar ahead of the third place playoff and the final? So two more matches to go. But obviously we are winding down from what has been a fairly spectacular World Cup, but also a very controversial one and certainly a very different one. Remember, the group stages change next year, the group matches, because there'll be more of them. So it'll be a different next time, not next year, but it will be a different World Cup next time around. That leads us, obviously, to the A-League situation and the expected fan walkout across the weekend. There are reports this morning that the A-League grand final move was partly prompted by a shortfall in the TV broadcast revenue. So we know that the TV broadcast deal belongs in the hands of Paramount and Channel 10. uh, And Paramount subscriptions is what it's all about there. So there are reports in the Sydney Morning Herald that there's a shortfall in that because the subscriptions didn't match up to the number that they thought they would get. 
There are a whole stack of reasons behind that, a whole stack of them. And that's one for discussion a little bit later on. However, this A-League grand final decision just will not go away. And when I play you Craig Goodwin in just a second and him explaining his reasons and why he came out and said, I didn't, um, I, I don't back this, yet appeared in the promotional video. I mean, scratch your head on that. This will blow your mind. So let's just backtrack a little bit here. So when this decision was announced and put out, and you can find this video quite clearly, just jump online, you'll find it. It's a nice, shiny promotional video, and it's all about the grand finals having a new home in Sydney, and everybody's backing it. And this is Craig Goodwin, one of the absolute out-and-out superstars off the back of the World Cup, appearing in this video. This is what he's had to say in the video. The biggest reason why these games are so important is because they're everything you dream of as a kid. Right, so he's used in the video, the biggest reason why these games are important is because it's what you dream of as a kid. Now, obviously he's talking about a grand final there, but he's not talking about the grand final in Sydney, and there's a reason why. And a lot of people, and you ask this question to me, well, if he didn't back it, then why appear in the video? Well, there's further explanation to that. At the airport yesterday, Craig Goodwin had this to say, and this was posted on Channel 10's Twitter account. So here comes the explanation. Unfortunately, this decision's been made. Only time will tell as to, to how it will go and, and to what we can do. Yeah, look, to be honest, when they were doing the filming, there was two questions that I was asked. One of them I refused to answer. And the other question was about what grand finals can do for Australian players. What, what impact can it have for Australian players and why is it important? The question was, why do you support this initiative by the APL and the DNSW? I didn't want to answer the question because as I voiced my opinion on social media, I, don't, I didn't support it and I believe that it's not in the best interest of the fans. I do feel that it real, will affect the atmosphere at the grand finals. If you get perhaps, say, us against Victory, we'll have maybe 10,000 going to support. Um, Victory might get a little bit more and then there's a bunch of neutrals in the stand that won't create the same atmosphere and the same passion as what we've seen at every grand final to date. So the question that he answered was around what can grand finals do for Australian players? And that's the one that they used in this video. The question that he refused to answer was why do you support this move for the grand finals to be played in Sydney and have a neutral venue. He refused to answer it when they were doing the filming because he doesn't support it. Yet they still used an answer around grand finals in a grand final promotional video announcing that the grand finals were going to be held in Sydney. Talk about shooting yourself in the foot. Talk about mismanaging this whole thing. Now, I've said front and centre up up and very, very clearly that when it comes to a business case on this one, I can see the reasons why. And I think that it is it is on the part of the CEO of this organisation to look for other income streams, and that's what they've done here. And now there's talk that there's been a shortfall in broadcast revenue, etc., etc. But the bottom line in this one is that at the moment that Australian football could have grasped the success out of the Socceroos at the World Cup and turboed itself into another stratosphere of support, they shot themselves in the foot. And they, not only that, but utilised one of the absolute superstars of Qatar and Craig Goodwin, knowing full well that he did not support 
the move for the grand finals to be used in Sydney to the point where he refused to answer the question when they did the filming. Yet they still used an answer. Are they misrepresenting this bloke? Or do they just not get it? I think it's the latter. They clearly did not get this one, and that's just another example. Boy, oh boy, have they got some explaining further to do. Now, I don't support fan walkouts, and I support the league having its right to make business decisions like this. And I support the right of the CEO to be bold and risky and take a different approach. But you've got to know how to do it as well. And you've got to be able to read the room. And the room said football's flying in this country off the back of the Socceroos. The approach then went, let's use a Socceroo who clearly and vocally doesn't support this And we'll put him in the video anyway with an answer that he said on something completely different, which is what can grand finals do for Australian players? My, oh, my. What an absolute mess. Now, it is the final show of the year. I'll have my top sporting moments of 2022, so we'll pick our way through that. Not necessarily a top 10 countdown. Jimmy Smith and myself will do that on Christmas Day right here on SEN. But your top sporting moments, let's do a bit of reflecting out of an incredible year of sport. You can give me yours. What's your top sporting moments? doesn't have to be in any particular order, but what are the big ones? And we'll also do the top tips for the weekend of racing with SEN track analyst Chris Nelson, who had a shocker, really, with our last tips last weekend. So he's determined to break, <laughs> break even and bounce back. Now, at the FIFA World Cup, the change of yellow card rules for suspensions is quite interesting. If you've you've missed this one, well, it's worked, and it's worked for the finalists. So they updated the rules with the simple reason here to reduce the chances of a player missing the final. So yellow cards received in the group round of 16 and quarterfinal games result in a one-game ban for the following match. And in this instance, for one of our finalists, Argentina, Gonzalo Montiel, and Marcos Acuna both missed the semi because of yellows for each in, the both, uh, in both the group stages and the quarters. So they missed out on the semi-finals because of the yellow cards previously. But the yellow card accumulation was then effectively wiped clean once you get to the semis. So Christian Romero and Nicolas Otamendi both received yellows in both the quarters and the semis but are clear to play in the final because there's no accumulation point once you get to the semis. Argentina had two yellow cards in the group matches, eight yellow cards in that quarterfinal against Netherlands, two in the semifinal against Croatia, so a total of 12 yellows throughout the course of the tournament. France had one yellow in the group stage, one in the round of 16, three in the quarters against England, a total of four, five rather, yellow cards. But both Argentina and France avoided a red card in their semi-final. So therefore, all players are available, which makes sense. So it's worked. The system that they put in place here of reducing the chances of a player missing the final has worked. And when you take a look at the accumulation factor, a total of 12 yellows for Argentina, some doubling up, a total of uh, five yellows for France throughout the tournament, but all players will be available in terms of that side, suspension side or non-suspension side for the final. Rugby league, meanwhile, Angus Crichton's free to play for the Roosters in the opening round because he could serve his World Cup suspension in the pre-season. I've been speaking about this earlier on, so you probably know the details. That two-match ban 
for striking uh, Chanel Harris Tavita with his elbow, and we know how he explained that thereafter. But he's going to avoid missing a premiership match because he can serve the one-match ban because it was halved on appeal in the preseason challenge. Meanwhile, players suspended in the NRL are required to serve their bans in premiership fixtures in the NRL. So it's a little bit all over the place, and we've discussed this time and time again. So I guess the bottom line here is is two questions for you. Should there be a blanket rule across the NRL, the International Rugby League, Origin? We know that they wanted to make sure, like in the World Cup, that players don't miss out on the big ones, the finals, the grand finals. And if if we can't have a blanket rule, if it's still going to be a little bit hodgepodge, what's the point of suspensions then? Should we just drop the whole suspension thing and go towards fines? Suspensions only for send-offs. Should we just change the whole reasoning behind it? Let me know your thoughts on that. 0457 736 736. BBL last night in Cairns. Melbourne Renegades beat the Brisbane Heat by 22 runs. So the Renegades 7 for 166, the Heat 6 for 144, but a bizarre dismissal that wasn't a dismissal. Nick Madison, he was given out in the ninth over because it looked as though as he went to play a shot, he stepped back on his wicket. The bails came off, the lights started flashing, you're gone, see you later, and Nick Madison's on his way. But not everything was as it seemed. This is how it played out on Fox. Stickney over the wicket, shorter, and pace was off. Oh, he's still on his stumps. stumps. No, no. What a shocking way to go as he pulled the ball to the leg side. You just heard the death rattle, and he's walked on his stumps. You wouldn't read about it. What happened there? Yeah, he's been... He he has not touched his stumps. I'd love to review that, surely. Yeah, surely. So He's not anywhere near his stumps. He hasn't... His leg hasn't hit the stumps. The ball was hit out to the leg side. No, that can't. Let's have a replay. Let's have a look at this. He top-edged it. The leg... He's nowhere near the stumps. No, no, that's, There's that's, a ghost. He's going to be brought back in here. There's a ghost. The he's... off stump bail came off with nothing hitting it. And I think Nick Maddinson was even surprised as well. He's nowhere near the stumps and the bail's just, the zingers wow. just went up. That is that is something I've never seen before. <laughs> that was our BBL coverage here on SEN. So Sammy Hargraves and Liam Pickering uh, commentating that just as dumbfounded as everybody else. He ended up staying. So basically the bail just came off. It came off in the act of him playing the shot, but he was nowhere near the stumps. The ball was nowhere near the stumps. Nothing was near the stumps. And the stumps lit up and the bail flipped off. So he returns to the crease, stays another nine overs, puts on a career-best score of 87, has a 78-run partnership with Dre Russell and ends up with 10 fours, three sixes for his 87, and they get the win. It's one of the strangest things that you'll see happen in sports. So have you got any stranger for me? The old swarms of bees stopping cricket matches. We've seen a few of those. Plenty of animals stopping games. Alligators lurking around in um, PGA Tour golf. We've had the famous pig at full forward, which we've spoken about. The Super Bowl lights out between the Ravens v 49ers. Strange things that happen in sport. For our final show this morning, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 or 0457 736 736. Tonight in the BBL We've got a doubleheader, the Melbourne Stars against the Hobart Hurricanes to be followed by the Thunder and the Adelaide Strikers. So we'll have full coverage of both of those matches and I'll be calling alongside the great Dougie Bollinger for the Sydney Thunder v Adelaide Strikers. The Thunder lost to the Melbourne Stars in their opener and the Strikers beat the Sydney Sixers by 55 runs on Wednesday. 
Adelaide Strikers uh, opened a Matt Shorts and a, a pretty pretty interesting story. Get this: in his first six seasons of BBL, he scored a total of 458 runs. Last season, he scored 493 in one season. So more than he did in the pre- previous six seasons. Third most runs last year, including 26 sixes. And on Wednesday night in the opener down there, he hit 84 off 53 balls. So the Sydney Thunder will be wary of Matt Short tonight. Out there at uh, the Sydney Showgrounds, Adelaide Strikers v Thunder from 8.15. And before that, full coverage of the Stars v Hobart Hurricanes. And at the Swimming World Short Course Championships overnight, um, a bit of, I don't know, some sort of weird synchronicity here. Kyle Chalmers won his first individual world championship title in the 100 free. Emma McKeon won her first individual world championship title in the 100 free. The old uh, love story. The old one. That's that's what it used to be. Um, but quite uh, quite bizarre, isn't it, to think that Kyle Chalmers, Olympic champion, gets his first individual world championship title all these years later. And Emma McKeon, who's been winning gold medals at major meets for fun, now has her first one as well. And she did it just outside Kate Campbell's world record time. And Kyle um, was dominant there. He's missed the last three world short courses because of injuries and poor health. And Romanian teenager, the superstar in the making, and David Popovici finished fourth in that one. So we're looking for a whole range of things this morning. Your top sporting moment from 2022. If you've got something stranger... Than happened that has happened in sport than Nick Madison being given out for a weird bail that just decided to dislodge itself. You can let me know that one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 or 0457 736 736. Yeah, keep those texts uh, coming on in. I'll get to those in just a sec. Now, we posed this yesterday whether the sandpaper issue would be on the table when it came to chirping away there as the first test gets underway at the Gabba. And Adam Collins will join me very soon. Usman Khawaja fronted the media yesterday. Here's what he had to say about that issue. It honestly hasn't been, and I'm being genuine. It's because it's been, you know, time heals all wounds, I guess, in a way. And the guys have come so far from there, both as individual players, the guys were involved, but also as a team. I look at it and I see where the guys were four years ago, where they're now. There's, there's been a lot of growing up and there's been a lot of maturity. There's been yeah, just just what life brings you. So that was Uzi talking about whether or not it had been mentioned within the Australian setup. So not so much on the field about what may face them, but what's been discussed in the playing group. And he's always pretty forthright. South Africa, meanwhile, what are they thinking about it? Uh, here's Dean Elgar speaking to the media. For me, that's um, water under the bridge. Um, it's maybe easier said than done for me because I wasn't physically a part of it. But, um, yeah, I think the guys will be okay. They've had uh, a good layoff now from that, um, and, and hopefully they're in a very good space. Um, it's important for us in the next three weeks, building up to the 17th, to if there are any nagging things still, to, to come out and speak about it and, and make yourself a little bit vulnerable if there are a few insecurities. Um, but the way I view it is the guys, just by chatting to a few of the guys, they, they seem to be in a very good space um, with regards to what's happened in the past. Um, so, yeah, we've, uh, we've got to go to work again. That's the thing. The game doesn't stop because of what's happened to, to you in the past. The game's still going to continue. And, um, yeah, if, we, if we're not there mentally, um, it might catch up to us. 
Sounds as though everyone's just trying to put it behind them, try to forget about the whole thing. Our top sporting moments as we get ready for our first news break of the show. Well, I'm going to start at the Commonwealth Games, and it's hard to pick out here because we got 67 gold medals, 178 medals for the Australian athletes competing in Birmingham, and so many great memories. This was an absolute beauty. Ollie Hoare winning the 1,500 metres on the track. Canoli kick here and get some galloping room at the 200. Whiteman's taken the lead. Hoare just checked out of it. He gets a new running room now. Kipsane goes up to Cherryoid. Hoare not done with yet. Whiteman's gone a long way from home. Kipsane, Cherryoid. Hoare lifting here. Lifting with a big run. Into the stretch. Whiteman leads. Ollie Hoare's coming with a mighty run with Cherryoid. The Aussies are charged. Cherryoid goes up. Here comes Ollie Hoare. Flashing run. I reckon he's going to get this. He's won it. He's done what Herb did in 1958. It's an extraordinary moment in Australian sport. It's one of those that we'll etch in the history books forever. And how lucky we are to have been here and for you to have watched it. So there you go, Ollie Hoare with a massive moment. It is it is one of the big moments out of plenty of Birmingham. So I tried to narrow it down just to one, almost in representation of the 67 gold and the 178 medals in total that the Aussie athletes won. So part of my sporting moments of 2022, we've got the first one underway. We'll pick our way through more and let me know yours. 0457 736 736. Something that we've forgotten about. Let us know. We'll dig out the audio and relive that memory. Here's the news. From every game of the FIFA World Cup to every single ball of the Test Summer, SEN Cricket will have it covered, of course, as we get ready for South Africa next up. So it starts tomorrow at the Gabba. We've been picking our way through the issues here. It's gone a little bit quiet, I reckon, in the last 24 hours. Um, perhaps the build-up's going to fire up again. Adam Collins, part of the SEN Test Cricket commentary team, is on the line. Good morning, Colo. Good morning, Matty. Yeah, it has gone quiet. Isn't it nice that we're just focused on what's going to happen on the pitch over the next five days? It feels like it's been a little while since that's been front and centre with no other distractions. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm with you on that because there are some things to discuss when it comes to the actual game itself, the, the match-ups itself, form and and the futures of some players. Before I get to that, did you see that non-dismissal from Nick Madison last night in the BBL? Have you caught up with that where the bail just dislodged on its own accord? I saw a very quick clip on social media. This kind of feeds my view that, um, that, that bails are something that we need to think about in a wider context. I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, but I think that we might have reached the point where the bails are becoming surplus to requirements, but um, uh, certainly for bowls. I mean, how many times are we seeing the stumps hit and the bales not fall off? Remember that bales are there as an indicator as to whether the ball has hit the stump, at least philosophically. So mm. I think with television games, um, we're getting to the stage where maybe bales aren't needed for bowls and they're only really needed for runouts. But that's a, I know that's contested space and I don't want to annoy anyone on their Friday morning. <laughs> Well, you've piqued my interest. I don't know if I'm annoyed about it, but now I'm trying to think around it. So <laughs> are you saying if the ball... Were, okay, so take runouts out of it, but are you saying if the ball hits the stumps, therefore if we had Snicko, for instance, and we saw that the ball had hit the stumps, whether or not the bales are dislodged, that's out? I think I am, yeah. I mean, and also with runouts, you've got the technology with the zing bales, but the stumps also light up. 
So mm. I know that the laws of the game as they currently read it and have for 150 years, the, the bales need to be dislodged entirely. And look, in recreational cricket, so it'll continue to be. But I think with TV cricket and technology and the influence there, I mean, we love the bales, right? They're a big part of our game. But I wonder whether they might end up being more ornamental than anything else. And the actual measure of a ball hitting the stump is when the, is when the stump lights up. Uh, we probably have reached a point where that could be possible. I mean, we saw last year in the Ashes where it was Ben Stokes was bowled, wasn't he? Ben Stokes had, was bowled with yes. the ball hitting the off stump and the bail didn't come off. I'm like, how on earth did that happen? Um, I don't think that's, you know, that, that's, you know what I mean? The bails are there to dictate whether it's to symbolise to the umpire or to tell the umpire that the stump has been hit. We kind of know now with the technology. It doesn't work in recreational cricket, but with, mm. with TV cricket, maybe it's a slightly different story. Well, the good thing last night was that the cameras were there and Nick Madison gets yes. turned around. Otherwise, they would have just assumed that he stepped on his wicket. In fact, <laughs> he assumed that he stepped on his wicket and he would have been on his way. He got another nine yep. overs and ends up with a career-best score. So we've gone down a rabbit hole there. Thanks for taking us down that one, but I like the way you, <laughs> I do like the way you're thinking. Now, let's get to how this one's going to play out at the Gabba um, starting tomorrow. We, we know the ins and outs and obviously a lot of focus around Scotty Boland. And Barat and I had a great conversation yesterday where it, it seems a case of it could have been either or, obviously, Nisa or Scott Boland. But Australia likes to go with what's hot at the moment. And there's no doubt about it that Scotty Boland's hot property. How much of an impact do you think he has on this match? Look, I think that um, the bowl and Nisa discussion is one that's been ticking over for the last week. I reckon they could build an evidence case for playing Nisa at Brisbane, Boland at Melbourne and even Hazelwood at Sydney because of their home ground. But that might be a little bit too cute. But you're spot on in your analysis that Boland is hot. I mean, he touched his test wickets at 10. Let's not overcomplicate matters here. He played, he was in the squad throughout the winter in, well, I say the, I say the winter, in, in autumn in Pakistan and the winter in Sri Lanka, and, and that was a reflection of his standing in the pecking order. Uh, and I think that needs to be respected, even if Nisa would... It would be a great story. He was in the squad 25 times consecutively before getting his first test. That was back last year at Adelaide. But he had to wait longer than anybody, having been brought into the squad around the team for so long. Playing a home test match would be ever so special. And I'm sure he will play more test cricket in England next year. He'll be part of that that group of seamers they take to England for that series. But it might just be at the moment the pecking order dictates that Boland um, gets that opportunity until Hazelwood's fit again. Meanwhile, Mitchell Stark's just four wickets away from 300. Can you can you see another magic moment coming? If 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 Australia mm. end up fielding first, Starkey's got the brand new ball, uh, a big <laughs> big pump up to it. He's four away from 300. Imagine if he can roll out just another pearl or first up. Rory Burnstyle, yeah, round his legs with a ball that swung a mile. Out. I don't know whether we could be so lucky to have lightning strike twice on, on that front, but the 300-wicket milestone is a considerable one, remembering the, the first person to take 300 wickets, Fred Truman, when he did so in 1964. It was one of the great moments in cricket history, and I know a lot of players have done so subsequently, but this is not a small thing. This is a major milestone for a fast bowler. Remembering that Mitchell Stark was dropped 11 times in about his first 15 test matches. He was in and out, took a long time to find his way, took a long time to be the attack leader, and that probably happens around 2016 or thereabouts. And even since then, he's, he's uh, had injuries from time to time keeping him away. But remember, this is a man who prioritises the test team above all else. He doesn't go to the IPL, doesn't play on the broader T20 circuit, only plays white ball cricket when he kind of needs to, when Australia require him to do so in and around major tournaments. He's made test cricket 
his priority. And I would say at some personal cost, and by that I mean not earning the riches that he would definitely get if he were in the IPL auction each year. So I hope we can celebrate that this week as a, an Australian cricket community if he does reach the milestone at the Gabba. But one, it's a really big deal. And two, this is a man who's committed a lot to test cricket, prioritised test cricket, and long may that kind of decision-making continue where test cricket gets the, the reverence it deserves. Yeah, well said, mate. On the other side, South Africa's bowling lineup is is the feared part of, of what they're going to deliver here. And I guess what they're going to deliver, we know that, is going to be pace. But if they're smart, if they're smart bowlers at the Gabba and they resist the urge to dig it in short and use the bounce at the Gabba, mm. they might get the Australians thinking a little bit warily outside of off stump, for instance. But the Aussies on yeah. the flip side of that are very good at leaving. So I, I think we're set for a really fascinating battle between ball and bat when the, when the ball is in the South African pace attack hands. It could, couldn't be any more different to the challenge that South Africa had in England earlier this year where the Baz bowlers of uh, Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes were going at everything, which meant those test matches all ended inside three days. Well, of course, it, it won't be the case here. As you, as you described, the Australians' lead percentage against the West Indies was astronomically high, largely due to Labuschagne, um, who, who has become an ex- exceptional lever of the ball. And the South Africans last time they were here in 2016 did display the discipline that you're describing there as well. With At that point in time, it was Rabada and Philander. Um, and they were just immaculate. And even when they lost Dale Stain in that first test at the Wacker halfway through it, they still managed to bowl Australia out twice with three bowlers. So um, they know how to bowl in these conditions. They're going to have Lungi and Gidi, Anrik Nokia in the team. In, in the case of Nokia, he's the fastest bowler in the world right now. Uh, and Ngidi, Nokia and Rabada all have strike rates in the high 30s, low 40s. I mean, that's exceptional. It's you know, right up there with the, the best to ever play the game. I know in a relatively small sample size, but you get a sense of what a threat they'll, they'll present. Then you've got big Marco Janssen. He's six foot eight. He swings it into the right-handers as a left-armer, which is always dangerous, and he's quick. Had a great start to his test career. So four-pronged pace attack with Janssen being the all-rounder, and then having Keshav Maharaj, who's taken a couple of test sevenfers this year, who made his test debut at Perth back in 2016 and helped bowl Australia out there. So, again, a guy with experience in these conditions, and he's been the number one spinner for South Africa for a number of years now. But they are no pushover. And my sort of sense of the overall situation is that first Australian batting innings could really um, set the tone for the series. If if they um, do well and they can mitigate that risk that we're describing from the South Africans, then they'll probably go on and have a very good series because... South Africa's batting is fundamentally weak. They have not got match winners in that side. They've got a record to back it up with the exception of Dean Elgar. And Dean Elgar is an extravagant player. He's a gritty player who can occupy the crease for session after session. They, they lack that ballast in the middle order. So it's going to take the South Africans to blast Australia out, get them on the back foot and take advantage of any anxiety that might come from that. It's going to mean an awful lot when Australia bat first, whenever that happens to be at Brisbane. Yeah, very different, very different series ahead of us to the one we had in West Indies. Good on you, mate. You'll be my company throughout a long summer. I'll spend plenty of time with my earbuds in listening to you and I'll be on the tractor and on the ride on mower and Jared and the entire team. So have a good one. Cannot wait for it to start tomorrow. Thanks for your thoughts today. Have a great time on the tractor. I love the idea of people listening to us around the country. Every welcome tomorrow.
Yeah, it's great fun. Good on you, Colo. Have a great one and Merry Christmas to you. SEN's coverage of day one between Australia and South Africa kicks off tomorrow, so 10 o'clock Eastern Daylight, saving time. It is a ripper of a coverage, and I'll be tuning in ball by ball. We'll take a break. 0457 736 736. Give me your top sporting moments of 2022. Your thoughts around this A-League Grand Final and Craig Goodwin. Um, having a further say as to why he just did not want to buy into it, yet they still used him in the promotional video. And strange things that have happened in the world of sport. And actually, off the back of that discussion, do we need bails? Do we need bails to see the dismissal? Well, the rules say currently, yes, we do. Back after this. Welcome back to the program. I just totally stitched up Mark. Now, we haven't discussed the, uh, we haven't discussed the Christmas party last night, by the way. We'll do that as well. But... I, I said to you that I'd be having clear head this morning. I'd be having a clear head. Well, I ended up with a very one, very clear head because uh, a family commitment overtook and I didn't manage to get to the celebrations last night, um, the end of end of school run, essentially. So we had a, a good family gathering last night, but Tommy went there. Um, Mark went there. They, they, they look pretty fresh. Look pretty fresh. I mean... 2am Tommy's a giveaway with his with his croaky throat in the morning. Um, but I just totally stitched you up, Mark, because what I wanted to do was relive another sporting moment of 2022, but I threw it at you so late that we couldn't get there. So this is it. This is it. Steph Gilmore's world title win. Number eight. Number eight world title. Incredible performance. Now the most all-time winningest surfer in female surfing history, Steph Gilmore, another world championship. Stephanie Gilmore, she holds the record to herself, officially an eight-time world champion. Rip Crow, WSL final champion and eight world titles. Stephanie Gilmore, you are a weapon. The shortest season, but the longest year of my life. To start with such a shocker and pipeline. Just gonna crawl my way back into the card. There really is not many words that can describe this feeling right now. To come all the way from fifth and just grind it out all the way to the final, to sit there and battle it out for a world title against her was the greatest moment in my career. It's a crazy performance when you think about the variables in the world of surfing. So Steph overtakes the one and only Lane Beachley on seven world titles, gets that number eight after dragging her way through the season and everything that can go wrong across the course of one season, one tournament. You imagine doing that year after year after year and ending up being the best surfer on the planet for eight years, um, for eight times over, and that's a remarkable performance from Steph Gilmore. Now, Mark, to AM Tommy's nowhere near a microphone, so now's our time to stitch him up. Great. How was he last night? You know what? Mm. Out of everyone else in the SEN office, he wasn't yes. too bad. He was actually oh. all right. I know. It was really yeah. annoying. Oh, he was flying. Don't get me wrong. He was he was schmoozing. Yeah. He was drinking. Yeah. Uh, he was talking to everyone. Social butterfly. Don't get me wrong. But, mm. no, nah, unfortunately, I've got no I've got no bad stories to tell. He got of. no dirt. No, nah, it's really unfortunate. No, nah, oh. I think that some people may be upset with him. Um, <laughs> but that's not my place to say. I don't. I, I. I'll let him mention the stuff later if he wants to mention what happened. Really? I mean, but I have nothing to say. I have no comments. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, see, I, what I would have thought was he'd go straight to a corner of the room, take a table over, and just set up, throw some coins on the table, and and as people walk past, just give them what for about his opinions. No, no. What what he would do? He would you drive by opinions. So he would go walk <laughs> up, 
James Tedesco is the best man in the world. I love that man. And then yeah. immediately pivot to the next table and then just go repeat, repeat, repeat. That's repeat, 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 yeah. Uh, all right, so it sounds as though there was no sort of catastrophes out of it. Which I is... didn't say there was no catastrophes. I just said oh, I'm right. not going to talk about anything. That's I'm right. just I'm keeping my hands clean. That's all I'll say. Okay. Yeah. So remember we we discussed having a crapometer um, next season. Yes. So, and, and, you know, sort of varying degrees. Should we see? Should we? Should we try and get a gauge on Tommy's dustiness this morning? A dustometer for Tommy. Just see. I mean, it'll, it'll be a giveaway when he comes. When he comes in, we put him in front of the microphone. He doesn't sound too bad. No. But I think I think we should have a bit of a dustometer, and our our listeners can determine where he sits on that scale, uh, and therefore how big of, big of a night that he had. Basically. Yeah. But a good night was had by all. That's oh, the yeah. important thing. Great night. Great night. That's the important thing. a uh, couple of texts that are here. Thank you for your text this morning from Jason from Jay from Blacktown says morning. Matt, best for the holidays to you, your team and family. I've enjoyed the show. Your witty repartee, logical thinking and your inclusive approach to radio over the year. Appreciate that, Jay. All the best and until next year. Cheers. Thank you. Um, very much. We definitely try to be inclusive. Um, logical thinking is as logical as we can try and make it. We certainly throw it out there. So I appreciate your thoughts. And uh, more than that, I appreciate the fact that you take the time to listen to us because you have the choice and you choose us, mate. And I appreciate it. Brett says the same. Big congrats to you and your production team. You put out a great program. It's really appreciated. Hope you're backing up next year. 100%, Brett. 100%. Uh, I'll be here. I'll be returning mid-January. And don't forget, as of February next season, as the footy season starts to get into full swing, Matty Johns will be on my show for two hours every Monday morning. So Matty Johns joining us every single Monday morning for an extended breakdown of everything that's happening in the world of rugby league. So we'll continue those deep discussions, have some fun as well, and obviously your chance to speak to Maddie on a Monday morning. So, yes, back next year, 100% bigger and better than ever. We'll take a break at six and a half minutes to ten. So I knew somebody would pick it up. Somebody would pick it up, and you're almost on it, Pedro, but you're not. Pedro says, Maddie John's in. Webby out? Wow. Talk about front-page news. Webby's not out. No, 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 no. Webby stays. Webby's going to be here. Uh, Webby will go back to Wednesdays. Wednesdays with Webby. So a little bit of jigging around, but basically we're, we're keeping the same absolute crew. I'm not going to lose my wingman, Andrew Webster. No way in the world. So, Pedro, um, front page news, yeah, kind of, but they're all sticking solid. We stick solid here. We stick and we pick, so to speak. So, Matty on a uh, Monday morning, Webby on a Wednesday morning. Pedro, I reckon we make you Tuesday morning, or is that uh, Tuesdays with Tommy? Maybe that's part of his grand plan, just to just to get a whole day next year. Actually, on that, Colin from Enfield says, I really hope Tommy Turbo's injury isn't too bad. Massive Manly fan. Well, put it this way, Colin, uh, he's going to be there for the start of the season, assuming nothing else goes wrong. So eight to nine weeks. There's 11 weeks until the start of the season. And if he misses round one against the Bulldogs, don't forget they've got a buy in round two. So might even buy him, pardon the pun, some extra time on that one. Thank you, Colin. 0457 736 736 is the uh, text line number, or give me a call, 1300-01-1170. Clint Bolton joining us in our next hour. It is our final show of the year right here on Mornings. Welcome to our listeners joining us on SENQ 693 Brisbane, 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. Welcome back to 1170 AM Sydney listeners. And, of course, wherever you're tuning in via the SEN app, some good news 
coming out of Formula One in that Australia has been locked in. Well, Melbourne's been locked in for the Australian Formula One Grand Prix out until the year 2037. So they're extending upon the extension here. But the key part of that is that somewhere in that deal that Australia will host the first opening Grand Prix of the season at least four times. Won't happen next year. That'll be in Bahrain. The year after, um, they're going to do it in Saudi Arabia. So somewhere in between 2025, that would make it, and 2037, the Australian Grand Prix will be the first race of the season, which it has been for so many years, um, except for the last few. So that's a key component to that deal. And I also noted that Andrew Westercott, the boss, will be uh, stepping down in the not-too-distant future. He's done a fantastic job. But they've extended that deal. The Victorian government obviously happy with the way that it's panning out. Massive numbers that they continue to get. I've been lucky enough to be a part of a whole lot of them. And you cannot underestimate what it's like to have the opening race of the season in your own backyard. All of the focus for the start of the season comes to you. All of the storylines come to you. All of the unknowns come to you. It's a lot easier to tell the story at the start of the season than it is three or four or five or six races in. In my opinion, you want the start or the end. If you can get it in Australia, we'll have the start at least four times throughout the course of that next deal. A fair bit for us to talk about. We'll chat the first test. We've had an interesting discussion, which you can catch up on on our podcast with Adam Collins around the first test at the Gabba. And off the back of the strange dismissal from Nick Madison, in the BBL last night, where the bail dislodged itself. Uh, He thought he stepped on the wicket. They thought he stepped on the wicket, but he was nowhere near the wicket. And the bail just went off itself. The zinger lights went up and he started walking. But thankfully, when they had a good look at it, they went, well, hang on a second. Uh, Nothing happened here. Let's go back. And Adam Collins has raised the point, perhaps a contentious issue, that do we need bails at all? Under the rules of cricket, the bails have to be dislodged. But Colo's point is, well, when it comes to bowling, should we just not focus on the ball hitting the stumps and only the bales going when you get to runouts? Obviously, in the world of TV coverage, it can make it easier. Do we go to Snicko when it comes to just hitting the stumps? Then, of course, we've got the A-League Grand Final situation, which, which continues to get worse in the delivery. I didn't think it could, but Craig Goodwin's explanation as to how that promotional video played out and how he ended up in it is quite bizarre. I'll get to that in just a sec because we're also doing our top sporting moments for 2022. Um, I'm rattling off a couple of mine. Jimmy Smith and myself will do a countdown on Christmas Day, 1 through to 10 or 10 through to 1, in fact. So you can let me know your thoughts. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 on the open line. Let's go there with Greg from San Susie. Great caller. Good morning to you, Greg. Good morning, Matty. How are you going? Great, thanks, mate. Thank you for the year that you've uh, you've given us. It's been uh, it's been terrific radio. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I Excellent. Hope you thanks for your input as well. Thank you, mate. I appreciate that. Right, I have a couple of highlights. One of which is personal. The um, the big one for me, from a sporting sense, was to see Harry Souter get back on the on the pitch and perform as well as he did after such a shock and injury, and so little. Um, game time prior to uh, prior to actually getting on the park at the World Cup. Yeah, the second I mean, one... Absolute standout. Absolute standout. Yeah. Good call. Yep. And the second one is very personal. Um, my uh, my daughter has been nominated for a uh, an Australian Sports Commission media prize this oh, year. Yeah. Uh, 
she writes for Code alongside Lockie. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, she's only been doing it for a year and she's the only person that's been put forward from Code. So I'm, uh, I'm extremely proud of the work that she's doing. And, uh, yeah, Excellent. <laughs> that's my no, highlight. Good on you, mate. mate. Yeah, no, I can hear I can hear it in your voice. What was the was there a particular article or was there was it a No, it was a, it's a series of stuff that she's done on uh, on disabled sports. She writes across everything. Her name is Tilly mm-hmm. Werner, and she's done a whole bunch of stuff on the um, on the Matildas and uh, and yeah, disability sports. So that's the category that she's been nominated in, and she gets to go to the MCG with a a big black tie gala uh, gala dinner in February and uh, whether she wins or not doesn't matter mate she's a winner in my eyes yeah uh, good on you mate that's absolutely fantastic that's awesome and and congratulations to your daughter Tilly and um, may she continue to knock out the success that she's obviously having um, so far with code sports that's unreal to hear mate I really really um, appreciate you taking the time to give us a call and I congratulate you and your family have a great Christmas Greg thanks again Thanks, Matty. There he is, Greg, on the open line, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Thank you so much for that. I'm going to go back to this issue of Craig Goodwin, and especially for our listeners joining us on SENQ 693 and 1620 on the Gold Coast for the first time because we've, we've, been, we've been in and out and really deep into the weeds of this A-League grand final decision, and I've made it absolutely clear that when it came to a business proposition and trying to find more revenue for the game, I'm, I'm backing. I'm okay with them to have a look at this deal. I'm okay with them to go ahead and put it into the hands of a CEO who's not afraid to take a risk. However, the way that this has been applied, essentially, and delivered to the sporting public just continues to trip over itself. And the game continues to look horrible for it. And Craig Goodwin, in my opinion, is an absolute standout example of what I'm talking about. Now, he appeared in the promo video that was trumpeting all this alongside some other players as well. And we can play you a little bit about that later. But yesterday, while he was at the airport getting back into A-League duties, this is what he had to say about the video, the questions that he was asked, and why he refused to answer one question. Have a listen to this from Craig Goodwin. Unfortunately, this decision's been made. Only time will tell us to, to how it will go and, and to what we can do. Yeah, look, to be honest, when they were doing the filming, there was two questions that I was asked. One of them I refused to answer. And the other question was about what grand finals can do for Australian players. What, what impact can it have for Australian players and why is it important? The question was, why do you support this initiative by the APL and the DNSW? I didn't want to answer the question because as I voice my opinion on social media, I, don't, I didn't support it and I believe that it's not in the best interest of the fans. I do feel that it real, will affect the atmosphere at the grand finals. If you get perhaps, say, us against victory, we'll have maybe 10,000 going to support. Um, victory might get a little bit more and then there's a bunch of neutrals in the stand that won't create the same atmosphere and the same passion as what we've seen at every grand final to date. So if Craig Goodwin didn't want to answer that question and didn't want to or clearly did not support the reasoning behind the grand final move to Sydney for three years, but answered a question around what the grand finals can do for Australian players, why on earth did they use him in that promotional video? Why on earth would you expose a player of Craig Goodwin's standings, standing in the game, 
to that kind of stupid outcome, really. I mean, they've put him in a video that he, he came out the next day and said, no, 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 I do not support this, even though I appeared in the video. I cannot believe that they've put him in that video in the first place and put him in that position. Number one rule, maybe look after your fans. Surely looking after your players has to be right up there with it. It's just another bizarre part of this entire situation that has left the A-League in particular with a massive black eye and a long way to try and crawl all the way back into the fans' hearts, minds and essentially pockets. Um, The A-League, by the way, continues obviously this weekend and that will mean that there will be fans walking out of the game, which is... You know what? I wish I was talking to Clint Bolton about something else. And Clint joins us right now. But I just want to get your thoughts on that, just almost as a final point around this. I mean, I'm blown away, Clint. Good morning to you, mate, and thanks for your time. As as to why you would put a leading player in a situation like that, and especially somebody like Craig, who's done what he's done at the Socceroos and essentially should have been one of the poster boys for the next chapter in Australian football and, and how they leverage off the success. Am I am I reading a bit too much into this? Do you reckon? No, no, spot on, spot on, Matty. You've summed it up as well as I can. That's for sure. It's there's two key stake, stakeholders in our game. That's that's pretty clear, and that is the fans, um, particularly in our sport, the active fans, the members, and such, and also the players. So, so they keep digging a hole. It's mm. just getting deeper and deeper, and it's I don't know how they get out of this one. It's, that's probably the the sixty four million dollar question, and I don't know if we've got enough time to try and work it out. But you're yeah. right; they're, they're in a hole, and and I, if I was Craig Goodwin, I'd be filthy. And I think there's a yeah. lot of that um, in him, and he's he's quite clearly. I, I haven't had anything to do with with Craig, but I, I thought the way that he came out and spoke straight away, and then his explanation again yesterday quite clearly yep. shows that, um, I, I, in my case, I think he's been misrepresented throughout this whole thing in that video, which is just yep. appalling. So give me a quick snapshot, mate. What do you think happens this weekend as the backdrop of all this is is this drama and the fans and, and everything that goes with it? I mean, is there anything that could happen this weekend that could change the course of this decision, do you think, in your eyes? Uh it's hard to see anything changing from here on out. It feels like the backlash already has been that big that if they could actually get themselves out of this, then they would. But it feels to me like they signed the dotted line. There's no cooling off period and they've just got to keep going with it. Um, Because anyone, anyone, any reasonable person can surely see the damage, the long-term damage that will be done to the sport if they continue down this track is, is massive. So... Uh, if they could get out of it, I, I certainly believe they would, but it feels to me like they can't. The contract's signed, they've got to keep going down this road, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure unless it's just something absolutely massive that happens this weekend with the fans, and we're talking about walkouts, protests across the board um, at all games, then I don't see a way out, to be honest, for the top, the top tier, but hopefully this weekend people are... Uh, uh, represented in their own way, whether it be walkouts, signs, whatever, social media. Hopefully their voices are heard. They certainly haven't been heard to this point as far as this this particular situation has gone. So make your voices heard, everyone, and who knows? Who knows? Hopefully it can be reversed, but um, it doesn't feel like it can.
Yeah, yeah, it doesn't seem as though, certainly not in the short term anyway. Can you just give me, Clint, a, a, a player's perspective? I mean, I, I don't I don't really see what the... I see I, I'm okay with people having the right to protest 100% in whatever way you do. I don't, I don't understand what walking out on your own club and your own players is is going to achieve right but that's the form of protest that they want to go down and and I'll, and I'll back that if that's what they want to do from a player's perspective even though you don't agree with the decision even though you think that the, that the fans aren't being heard in this what happens when you look up and you see your own fans walking out I mean how does that affect your psychology being out there as a player representing the game representing the club and representing those fans it's interesting because, like, I had this sort of career existential thought only this morning that, like, I've lived this my whole footballing life, like leadership decisions that have you just shake your head at, and nothing, nothing seems to get any better. If anything, we just continue to go down this deeply disturbing rabbit hole, and like, I've I've just thought about my career only this morning and thought about what was the whole point of it. That's, that's what it feels like to me as a, as a player that's out of the game now, you know, nine years or so. But I look back and I go, was it even, was there any real point to it? If we could just, if I lived through a, a career of poor decision-making, then we just continue it on afterwards. What was it all for if we're, if we're at this point now? So I'm not really sure as current players what they, they'd be feeling. Craig Goodwin is, is a great example of, a, a mature voice within the playing group that, that has spoken very well. I, I imagine he's representative of the larger group. Um, as far as seeing fans walk out, players are football fans first, don't forget as well. So they connect with the people in the stands on that deep level, their love of the game. So I'm sure they'd understand totally what's going on. And and I'm sure there's players thinking about their future right now in in the sport in this country and where do we go from here is do we talk about in the terms of the a-league and does it exist beyond you know in, in the near future or what because of these these decisions you know it's all existential thinking in my mind at the moment so i'm i can't really speak to current players except to say that craig goodwin has spoken pretty well and i reckon is representative of the larger group yeah, the mature voice is a, is a very good phrase to use. So we're going to have to wait and see what happens on that one. Let's um, focus towards the, the World Cup, if I can get your thoughts on there. So we, we get down to a big one, Messi please. versus Mbappe. And yeah, please, please, Argentina <laughs> against France. So we get to this. So the bookies can't split them. Um, a dollar ninety each mm. in this, and it, and it's it's really interesting to listen to the voices in the game of football as to which way you're going to go on this one. So how do you think the World Cup final plays out and what did you take out of the semi-final performances from um, obviously Argentina against Croatia, but then a lot of people saw um, a little bit of a difference between France and Morocco. What were your takeaways? Mm. Maybe, I think the compelling case is Argentina, no doubt about it, out of the semi-finals. They have just built, built a serious cases from game one, which they lost. Let's not forget, game one they lost. Um, but they they built a serious case along the way, just building momentum nicely. So Argentina are really offering the compelling case at the moment. But France are doing exactly what they did four years ago. They weren't flamboyant. You know, they've got Mbappe in the team has probably had three good games out of the five he's played. But they're not overly flamboyant. 
they get their noses in front and they get the job done. If you notice, when France get in the lead, they become very conservative afterwards and just feeling comfortable and actually holding that lead, so almost conserving energy. So, so France are building as they were four years ago, uh, but Argentina, the Messi factor, uh, OMG, it's like all of us, all of us football fans are Messi fans, just about. So, so if that plays out, fantastic. But France, think about what France has done. They lost out of all the to- out of all the teams that have gone to the tournament, thirty-two teams. And there's been some big outs out of all those nations. France have probably had the three biggest, just about, in Benzema, Pogba, and Kante. Kante in in their lineup, three big starters in their eleven. They've managed to adopt. Um, and deal with that. Now, from the quarterfinal, the semifinal, there's a virus supposedly going through their squad at the moment. A couple of players missed out on the semifinal in Upamecano and Rabio in the midfield. Supposedly there's another one that has a virus, Kuman, who's a, a winger. So think about all these things along the way, and they're still getting the job done. Mate, you can go either way. But, but either story is going to be great, whichever way it plays out. If you look at a history-making story, Messi's the story. And yeah. if that plays out that way, then we'll all celebrate. It'll be a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Before that, uh, Croatia v Morocco in the third-place playoff. Good on you, Clint. Great to talk to you this morning. I, I wish we could have a, you know, a happier yeah. conversation around the game at the moment, but that's the position that we're in. And, and yep. your place in the game, well, it's, it's, it's there. You know, what, what you did across the course of your career, I know there's a lot of reflection going on in your mind at the moment, but I tell you what, mate, mm. I bet you there's a heck of a lot of supporters fans both of of you and who you played for and and of the game itself who would thank you for the entertainment and everything that you've done over the game so this is another bump Mm. in the road and let's hope that um, football in Australia can get over it mate thanks for your time enjoy the rest of the cup Merry Christmas to you pleasure Matty Merry Christmas thank you Clint Bolton joining us there 1300 01 1170 is the open line number 0457 736 736 I mean are you listening those that are running the game at the moment, the delivery and the application of this decision, whether you agree with the decision or not, but the delivery and the application is having wide-ranging effects to the point where you've got former players like Clint Bolton questioning what is, what is, what was it for? Why, why was, what was my career all for? Is there any point to it? And perhaps thinking, what's the future for Australian players? And when they think about the A-League, I mean, this is pretty big stuff and pretty deep stuff. And again, I can see the business case behind this and I can see the reasoning why and I can see that they want to grow the game. And I understand all of that. And in fact, I support that. I've got no problem with that. But the backlash on this and then the delivery of it has been extraordinary and it showed that they did not think this one through. Perhaps in three to five years' time when the bank balance is much better and the game's surviving because of it, it's a different story. But they didn't think this one through. 0457 736 736, back after this. Uh, News is coming up and then uh, 2am Tommy will come in, although he says it's about 1am Tommy after the Christmas party. So for those that have joined us in the last half hour from SENQ and uh, on the Gold Coast as well, the SEN Chrissy party last night I didn't get to, had a family 
um, celebration gathering that I needed to do, which was fantastic. So we're going to roll out the dustometer uh, and have a listen to Tommy and see just how bad we think he is. He's pretty good. I mean, Mark's given us a little bit of an insight into what's gone on at the party. Nothing really, apparently. Um, but we just have to find out. So there's a reason why we've gone on an hour and a half since we started without hearing from him. We've got to keep him out of the studio, basically, because, you know, we've all got to drive a little bit later on. We don't want to get those fumes. Um, Matt, love your show, but I also want to nominate my daughter, Charlie Petrov, as she won gold at the Com Games with Melissa Wu in the 10-metre synchro. She's our second youngest Commonwealth Games gold medalist. She also became two-time world junior champion as well in Montreal just two, week, uh, two weeks ago, but it didn't get mentioned anywhere, unfortunately, says George from Q in Melbourne. Thank you, George. Um, no, it didn't. You're right, and it didn't cross my radar either. Obviously, the gold medal at the Com Games did because uh, I was covering that, and wow, what a performance. Just 15 years of age <laughs> at the moment, and an incredible performer alongside Melissa Wu. So thank you for that, and happy to give the shout-out, and well done in Montreal as well a couple of weeks ago. Two-time world junior champion in the individual and the synchro at the uh, world junior champs in Montreal. George, appreciate that one. Let's go to the news. Tommy's coming up afterwards. Thank you, Vanessa. Jody from the Lake on the text line says, my weird sporting event, season two final of Sale GP in San Francisco, where during the million-dollar winner-take-all final race, a whale was spotted on the course halfway during the race, which led to the race being abandoned. The Aussies won when it all started again. Back-to-back championships. Jody. I know you're a Sale GP lover as well. Uh, thanks for the entertainment during the year. To you, Matt, and all the team at SEN. Looking forward to next year. All the best. Thank you. And to you too, Jody. Appreciate it. But a wh- it's, there are very few sports in the world where you can say, oh, what happened? Yeah, there's a whale. Um, oh, okay, that got new. Yep, yeah, yeah. I mean, the PGA Tour golfers, yeah, there was an alligator. Did you see that? We've seen... Pigs at full forward in AFL, but a whale, that sort of tops the story. All righty, folks, now we just we just need to listen in. We just need to turn it down a little bit because Tommy's in the studio. So gather around, gather around close, folks. Well, not too close, but gather around because we just want to make sure that he's okay after a big night. You're right, Tommy. Oh, thank you, Mark. Yep, yeah, morning, right. yep. morning, Matty and Mark. Listeners. I'm fine. I was a bit well, dusty this morning. I tell you what, the alarm, I actually got up a little bit later today. I go, you know what, last day of the year, Day after the staff party, I'm going to treat myself to a little bit of a sleep in. I know Maddie won't won't be too annoyed if I get in a little bit late into the office, so I treated myself that much. And no, I feel I feel good. A couple of waters, a couple of Panadols, all sweet. Right. Okay. So, so listeners, uh, let me know. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. He's putting on a brave face. Look fine. Uh, um, on the dustometer, though, what's the what's the giveaway? Let us know how you think. Uh, so, just you, what you hit the waters this morning? That was the that the was waters. the cure. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm not a coffee guy, so everyone's like, mm. "How do you get up early and then you don't drink coffee?" I just, I, I just don't like the taste of caffeine. Just coffee mm. in general. Just well, not you don't me. mind. A, you do a hot chocolate if we're if we're doing the coffee run, don't you? Yeah, but even then, like it's still. Eh, I'm just. I'll just have a water in the morning. Just give me a nice ice cold water or a juice. That'd yep. be fine by me. Probably not when I'm hung up. Oh. You know, when I'm feeling a bit dusty, I don't really want to juice. <laughs> don't really want to juice, but yeah, a couple of waters would. I've worked do me on wonders. the morning show for almost six months now. I've yes, not yes. seen Tommy eat or drink anything other than water for the entire time I've been here. H2O, Muddy. Quality H2O. Hey, can I ask? So you read out that text, um, Jody's from the lake, and all due respect to Jody, says, Oh, my weirdest sporting event. I've brought this up before. 
Is sailing really a sport? Oh, like, hang on, come hang on, on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> like you did this sitting to Hobart as well. Is it really a sport? Are we stretching a bit too thin there? Hang on. No, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, you know, have you seen Sail GP? I've seen bits and I've seen like some highlight no, videos of hang it. Hang on a second. Go and watch Sail GP, mate. It's off the charts. And I, if you want to, if we want to go down the whole, oh, is it a sport? Because, you know, it's a, sailing is recreational, etc. all that rhubarb. Um, if you want, next time Sail GP rocks around out here, I'll reach out to some peeps who I know and let's get you on board and see how you go. Get me on the Wild Oats. That's what it's called, isn't it? No, the, no, no. The we can, Hobart we get winner. you on Wild Oats. Yeah, we, sure. We've had this discussion before. Mate, the way you're feeling this morning, the last thing yeah, you want to do is thing. go on the Manly Ferry, let alone the Wild Oats. That's but a great point. Let me throw you on a Sail GP boat and uh, harness you in and get you going on the work factor over there and see whether or not you think it's a, an athletic endeavour. On that one, you turn that one pretty quick. Now, Mark, you were at the you were. I was about to say the wedding last night. You were, <laughs> anyone get married last night that I don't know about? You were at the at the party last night. You gave a little bit of dirt on Tommy earlier, um, but he's he, he looks as though he's come through unscathed. So he just hit the waters this morning. What about you? Yeah. What's well, the What's the Scottish remedy? Well, first when I got into the office today, Baraka. Had the, the vitamin C, you know, get the, the electrolytes back in you, yeah, all that type of stuff. Um, but I'm going to show Tommy a picture that I took this morning. Uh, of th- me? No, 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 at five past seven this morning. Here, Tommy, what am I showing you right there? Oh, okay. Looks like a half-eaten roll or yeah, burger. Yeah, where is it? On the floor. I dropped my bacon and egg roll this morning oh. at five past seven. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, oh. Not a great way Got to Got to the train though. station, had about two bites, and it went straight on the floor. But, Maddie, talking about remedies um, after the show, it's the last show of the year, so I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to go to get a nice fast food feed, maybe a Porto's, maybe a Subway, and then after that, because I've got another Christmas shindig tonight with friends, which is going right. to be fun. Um, but after that, I'm going to go see the new Avatar, Way of Water, number two, James Cameron. Number Three two. hours and ten minutes in the cinemas. I, I cannot, I absolutely cannot oh, wait. It's meant to be mesmerising. Mate, hook into that popcorn and you'll be going through water, you know. Hot tip, Matty. Everyone does it, but hot tip. Popcorn, sprinkle some Maltesers in the popcorn. Oh, my goodness. It's one of the best treats. so? Yeah, you've never done the Maltesers in the popcorn. I've never done the Maltesers. I've done Maltesers and or popcorn. Oh, no, Maltesers Maltesers in the popcorn. It is fantastic. When it's hot? Like when the popcorn's hot? Yeah, when the pop, you get the salt, you get the sweet, mix it up. Oh, my goodness, yeah. I'm just salivating okay. thinking about it right now. Hey, sp- let's get back to the sport. Angus Crichton, yeah. fantastic news. Going to serve his suspension in the preseason. Matty, you know what? We didn't even have to think about or we, we We shouldn't be able to – we shouldn't be speaking about this. You know why? Because he shouldn't have been suspended in the first place. It was a reaction from Angus Crichton that he did to Chanel Harris-Tavita. It was farcical that he got suspended for two weeks and then he got downgraded, what, to one week because Mal Meninga defended him and went to the tribunal for him while he was away. Um Two schools of thought. Shouldn't have been suspended in the first place. Now it's, I'll use the word again, farcical that he's serving in the preseason. He's uh, at Roosters teammates, Lindsay Collins and Jay Rhea Hargraves, served NRL suspensions in World Cup warm-up games. Can we all just get on the same page? International Rugby League, NRL, State of Origin, representative games. Can we all just get on the same page about what constitutes a suspension and when and where you can serve those suspensions? Because it confuses us who are working in the NRL and the sports news 
headlines every single day, let alone your average punter who's just looking at it and say, oh, okay, this guy's not going to serve his suspension here, but he's going to serve it there. Remember the whole tail and May mess? He's going to miss the opening two weeks of the 2023 mm. season. Can we all just get on the same page with these suspensions, please? Because it is driving me crazy. I'm up for that. Give us a blanket approach. And if the approach is like they've done, and I pointed it out at the FIFA World Cup, if the approach is that we we don't want to see the best players or we don't want to see players miss out on the big games of the year, if that's the approach, then have a blanket one. And it goes from the International Rugby League, because this is the part here, the International Rugby League has a different set of protocols mm-hmm. than the NRL has. So that's why Angus Crichton can serve that um, suspension in the preseason game. But I, I'm with you. Just a blanket approach across all forms. It shouldn't be too hard to get everyone at the table and say, right, if you're suspended here or you, if you cop a suspension, you can serve it here, here or here. Mm-hmm. And just be really, really clear about it. I'm 100% with you on that one because this one, you're right, probably didn't deserve the suspension in the way that he, he came out and spoke about that afterwards. Everyone knows that now. But the fact is the suspension's there. He can knock it off in a preseason game and he'll be ready to go against the Dolphins. Would you be upset if the NRL came out and said, you can only serve your suspensions for the match that you were suspended in? So say you say uh, Angus Crichton uh, next season in game three of State of Origin, uh, does a dangerous tackle, he misses one or two weeks. That means mm. in the 2024 State of Origin series, he's ruled out for those two games. Would you be upset with that, that if you're suspended in an Origin game one year, that means you miss out on the next Origin games the, next, the following year? Uh, look, if that's... No, I wouldn't be upset with that. I, would, I mean, what's the alternative, that he then goes back and misses two club matches? Yes. Hmm. It's tough, well, isn't, then, it's tough isn't it? It's tough. Well, then he's, well he, let's think about it on the way in then. So if he's going into state of origin mm-hmm. and gets suspended for two matches in the NRL, is he then ruled out of state of origin? Because remember, Victor Radley in 2021 was suspended yeah. for five weeks and apparently they counted one game due to origin because Brad Fittler was going to pick him. So that was a hypothetical in the first place. They just made that up. The Roosters just made that up. Oh, he was going to get picked for the Blues, so we're going to use one week here. Everyone was like, hang on, does this, does this make sense? And now the bloke's playing for England. He's never going to play for the Blues ever again. So it's just weird. I mean, the, the interesting thing is, so that scenario I just came up with there before about Angus Crichton missing matches for, for State of Origin. It would be tough. Say Nathan Cleary does a silly arm and it hits Cameron Munster in the nose, and usually that's probably a one-week suspension. I don't agree that just because he made a slight millisecond mistake in 2023 means that he misses out on a 2024 origin game. I think that's tough. So what I'm saying is the NRL, the National Rugby League, they all need to sit down, not just on this issue, on a lot of issues, but this one particularly about suspension because it's just making a mockery of it all because players are just picking willy-nilly about what games they will and what games they won't um, be suspended for. Yeah, get on the same page. Your message is clear and make it clear. That's the one. Jody from the lake says, uh, I reckon you're still 1.25 on the breathalyzer. Check out the video of the two Red Bull Formula One drivers getting a go on the Sail GP boats. They were very impressed. Enjoy your Barocca, Tommy. No, Fair well, enough. Fair it was enough. Mark who hooked into the Barocca. I'm with you, Jody. You don't, if you've got a friend in this one, no problems about it. Let's get him strapped into one of those Sail GP boats. Yep. Get you working like crazy all day. And let's see what you come back with. Matty, is Mark really Scottish? Uh, Scottish, says our texter, because your remedy would be whiskey, would it not? Um, yeah, I guess so. 
I mean, I wasn't whiskeys last night. As Tommy said, it was the Aperol spritzers. So, you know. <laughs> that one from Kev. I'm not, I'm not really class Scottish, am I? <laughs> hey, Matty, one, a couple more things. Uh, last Friday for you and me, Mark's still going to be charging on for the morning show. But so that means it's the last edition of Tommy's Tribune for 2022. So when I hear some headlines, and I was thinking, do we want some headlines for the biggest sporting moments of the year? Yes. Yes? So yes. S- send in your headlines for the biggest sporting moments of 2022. Was it Ben Hunt's miracle last uh, last try winner against the Blues? Was it the Socceroos World Cup success? Was it what we've just had the last few days with the APL and the grand final? Was it oh. something else? So send in your headlines for the best or the biggest or the weirdest sporting moments of 2022. Best headline gets a Signet Boost power bank. All right, I've got some more of my big sporting moments of 2022 coming up to just whet the appetite for Tommy's Tribune. Back after this with those. Uh, Chris Nelson's going to join us in our next hour. So he's he's coming off the long run up here. He had a bit of a shocker last week, and he's determined to get back in your favour for the final show of the year with some tips for both Randwick and Eagle Farm as well. Uh, now, top sporting moments. Well, this one featured, obviously, massive, massive across the course of the year as they went up to Mount Panorama for the Bathurst 1000 and all hell broke loose with the weather. And at the end of it, it was the wet weather expert in Shane Van Gisbergen and his main man, who won't be there next year, by the way, Garth Tander, claiming a, an epic victory at the mountain. And what a day. He's overcome a penalty. Competitor crashes, weather, rain and mud. It's farewell, Holden. Hello, Shane Van Gisbergen, the winner of the Redco Bathurst 1000. <laughs> what a superb performance by Shane Van Gisbergen and Garth Tander for the final time for Holden. Jamie Winkup rejoicing. Garth Tander and the rest of the team absolutely so enthusiastic. The celebrations for Van Gisbergen. What a day for Holden fans. So the last time that Holden roars around the mountains and Shane Van, the mountain rather, and Shane Van Gisbergen and Garth Tander with the victory there, GT will be driving for Ford next uh, season. So he's already switched camps and Shane Van Gisbergen will be looking for another partner. Um, one of the great moments of 2022 in terms of rugby league, Penrith's domination throughout the season and in the grand final against Parramatta was also one of the stories of the season. The Panthers go back to back. We'll have some position this time, but instead they decide to run it. It's in the hands of Edwards. He gets it back on the inside oh. to Crichton. Crichton's fended off one, two. He's gone across the line. He's got there. Over to the left edge they oh, go. Numbers. Luai. With a beautiful oh, ball. Oh, wow. That's something really special. And Brian Toto has gone over. There's plenty of room down that left-hand side. And here oh, go the Eels. What a, a huge tackle. That's enormous oh. from Dylan Edwards. That's sat rest. The Panthers have been so brilliant for so long. And now they're back-to-back premiers. It was quite a night out there at Accor Stadium. That's our call on SEM. We had every angle covered on that one. I had Sean Timmons and Spud with me for that call. And, of course, Sugar in full control on the other side of the field. But it was a beautiful night and an amazing victory. Really, it was an amazing victory by the Panthers in a performance that showed not how good they've, not just how good they've been over the last couple of seasons, but how much they lifted 
in that grand final in particular and how much the benchmark just went up a few steps, up a few more percent. And I reckon the reflection of that will be in just how hard the other teams and the Panthers themselves will be working across the course of the off-season. Your top sporting moments of 2022 as we continue the countdown right here on SEN, our final show of the season. I'll be back mid-January. And uh, if you missed it earlier, Matty Johns, as of next year, when we get going in February, uh, Matty Johns will be joining me every Monday morning in the lead-up to and throughout the NRL season. So Johnsy for a couple of hours there. And Andrew Webster, still part of the morning show lineup as 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 we want it to be. And he will go back to Wednesday. So a couple of more days. A uh, couple of quick text messages from McHugh. Our man McHugh, Matt, Tommy, Mark, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Enjoy your break and love the show. Thank you, McHugh. We like your input into it as well. Ash Barty has to be the best moment, best moment rather, of the year, says Matt the Panther. Pretty easy, I reckon, to sort of work out if there's a top 10, uh, which we'll do, by the way. Jimmy and I are going to do that on Christmas Day. We'll count down our top 10 sporting moments. Uh, I can see A-League supporters who are walking out of the game having a crack at the supporters who aren't walking out. Some sort of drama. Uh, more drama ahead. More drama ahead. Pedro says, I'm in for Tuesdays. Um, <laughs> Pedro, put in the uh, put in the paperwork to Tommy. You, that's the thing. You've got to get past Tommy first. I mean, it's my show, but you've got to get past Tommy because he'll try and take that spot. No doubt about it. Uh, let's take a break. We'll be back with more after this. Welcome back. Approaching the next news break with Vanessa. Chris Nelson joining me. Our final hour will be huge and plenty of time for your thoughts as well. Either pick up the phone, give me a buzz, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, or um, keep these text messages coming through on a range of issues. Don't forget Tommy's Tribune, the final edition of 2022. So he's looking for headlines around best sporting moments of the year. Weirdest sporting moments, especially off the back of Nick Madison getting out, well, originally getting out when the bail dislodged and then they realised there was nothing to be out for because he didn't touch it and the ball didn't touch it. Nothing touched it. <laughs> it just jumped off the top of the stumps. Quite bizarre. Weird sporting event probably tomorrow, um, says James, because I got a message from a golf club that Ruby the red-bellied black snake is on the sixth right where my ball usually ends up. Oh, man. James, uh, my only advice, either hit something different <laughs> or don't play the sixth. That's probably the best way to do it. I've got, a, I've got an agreement with snakes. I stay out of their way, they stay out of mine. <laughs> and it's more important about the first part of that. Let's go to the news. More of our top sporting moments of the year coming through in this uh, final hour of the program. And a lot of your texts too around... Well, weird outcomes that you've seen in the world of sport, what you think may unfold in 2023, including Tommy's Tribune still heading our way. But let's start this hour by going straight to the open line with your call. Shane's on the line. Good morning, Shane. You'd like to have a say about, well, this suspension from Angus Crichton that he can serve in the preseason and also your, your opinion around the Dolphins next year. Go for it, mate. Yeah, Matty, um, just before that, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year to you and all the crew in there. You keep me sane while I'm on the road. Great show. Especially <laughs> during you. the footy season, mate. Um, look, I'm, I'm glad Angus Crichton can play the first round against the Dolphins. I hope the Roosters sort out Matt Lodge's contract and he's ready to go. Lindsay Collins, look, I hope every Rooster is fully fit and ready to go because we don't want any excuses when the Dolphins give it to them First round, all right, in the Artie Beetson Memorial Shield. 
<laughs> oh, mate, I was watching Tommy's face while you were saying that. He was he was riding the wave there until you got to the Dolphins part. So, look, just on that, give me your opinion. You're okay, just as a footy fan, you're okay with Angus Crichton being able to serve this in the preseason? Yeah, it was, there was nothing in there. It was a love tap. I mean, it would be different if it was a Latrell Mitchell special. But, mate, it was nothing. I mean, who cares? You want everybody on deck. And there was really no foul play in the World Cup. And that's actually my highlight of the year, the Aussies winning. Um, a lot of people wrote them off, but Mal did a great job with them. And it just goes to show how Freddie left the fox out. What the hell is going on there? <laughs> Thank you, Shane. Good on you, mate. Have a merry, very, very merry Christmas, I should say. Thanks for listening in. We'll speak again next season, no doubt, next year, no doubt. Thank you, mate. Appreciate that. Um, top sporting moments. Dan points out, yes, Nick Kyrgios actually won a Grand Slam tournament, well, in the doubles, and made the Wimbledon final. I mean, Nick Kyrgios's year has been quite extraordinary. No question about that. Where do you reckon the Kyrgios Kokonakis... Uh, win will rate now top 10 countdown that Jimmy and I'll do on Christmas Day. Um, well, it's in there. I'll tell you that much. It's in there. A couple of the other great sporting moments. There's no question. I mean, this is one of my absolute favourites and everything that happened after, especially in this summer. In fact, I'm going to roll this one into a photo and some video that I saw at the Brecky Creek Hotel of Cam Smith with all his mates watching it, uh, watching his... Um, PGA, Australian PGA win on the beers and reliving that. But what a season this man had. And, of course, Cameron Smith was just one of the stories of world sport. Brilliant. Quite brilliant. What a back nine. Back in 30, finishing 20 under. And with a score of 268, the winner of the gold medal and the champion golfer of the year is Cameron Smith. It's just unreal. Uh, this place is so cool uh, to have the, the 150, 150th Open here and to walk away with the, with the win is just something that I think I've just dreamt of. I, I didn't even know I was going to get this far and uh, it's just awesome. To look at these names on this trophy and, and then add mine is, um, is unreal. It's really, I, I, I'm lost for words. Well, perhaps you can tell us how you're going to celebrate tonight with the Clara jug. I'm definitely going to find out how many beers fit in this thing, that's for sure. <laughs> and he did so. He did so. The most Aussie of Aussie winners. Or perhaps not. I mean, well, perhaps equal up there with the great Ash Barty. No question about it, how massive her victory was. And the Socceroos performance, which was Australian to the core. And the way that they translated that, you've heard me time and time again say just how impressed I was with that awesome messaging. Lordy, thank you for your text. Uh, Lordy says it's been great listening all year. Makes my day. Have a well-deserved break and look forward to hearing you next year. Thank you, mate. Yes, we'll be back. Pete and Sale, thank you for your compliments of the season. I'll pass them on to the SEM crew. Roll on 2023. I'm looking forward to a bit of a break. Still got a bit to go. BBL tonight. Sydney Thunder v Adelaide Strikers. You'll hear it all here, ball by ball. It's the double whammy tonight. Um, so the double header, and you can hear it right across the SEN network. But I'm looking forward to catching up with Dougie Bollinger and being in the chair for that one. Before that, the Melbourne Stars will have the Hobart Hurricanes. All righty, another sporting moment. Just one more from me. I mean, it's pretty obvious, this one. The Socceroos and what they did and their run throughout the World Cup to the round of 16. 
Goodwin gets a crossing, takes a deflection, and it's on target! Get out! Mitch Duke gets his head onto it for Australia. Craig Goodwin had a look up, he saw the cross, took a touch, played it in, had a slight deflection, and Mitch Duke, Australia's Duke, nods it home. And Australia will try and get it away, and they've got some space here. McGree plays it into the feet of Leckie. Leckie's one-on-one, gets to the edge of the box, cuts around, back to his left. Leckie strikes! Matthew Leckie has put the Socceroos in front. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, so many great, so many great mo- moments for Australia out of that Qatar 2022 World Cup campaign. Absolute beauties. All righty, let's talk some racing now with our SEN track analyst, Chris Nelson. So make sure you get ready because here come the tips. Good morning, Chris. Let's finish the year with a bang, mate. Well, Maddie, let me just say, after last week's performance, uh, if I don't come up with the goods tomorrow or this weekend, you won't be wanting it back. Because that was disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. I think we had one close second and that was it. Yes, exactly. Well, I wasn't going to mention, I wasn't going to bring up the war, but that's okay. We'll, mate, we'll, back you, we'll be backing you in regardless. Righto, let's go to Randwick. Let's start there first up. Uh, and the first race. So you've got a winner for us in the first at Randwick. Well, we know Team Snowden uh, have got a lot of good two-year-olds and a lot of good two-year-olds heading towards the uh, the Magic Millions in four weeks' time. Now, we saw Godfather come out and win at Eagle Farm last Saturday, and we saw Sovereign Fund come out and win at Wyong on uh, Wednesday in the Magic Millions race. So there's two. Here's another one. Number three, Snapback. Cost $825,000 at the Magic Millions yearling sales. Beautifully bred. Beat home Godfather in a recent Canterbury trial. Uh, neither of them are pushed out. And as I said, we've seen what Godfather's done and we've seen what Sovereign Fund has done. I don't think there's a lot between those. And now we've got this one. I'd say he'll be just as good, if not better. So race one, number three, snapback. He won't be any big odds, but I think he can kick off the day a winner for us. Oh, we like that. We'll start the day with the winner. Let's go to race six. We can take out number four, number six out of a pretty big field here. Yeah, number 11 for me. I'm going, to, I'm going to throw out the or throw the barriers out the windows here. I mean, look, we might get a few more scratchings just to bring this one in. But number 11, uh, the Philly Sunshine in Paris, trained by Annabelle Neesham. Just the two starts. Impressive winning a maiden at Canberra. I know that's not a massive uh, race in the scheme of things. But then went straight to a listed race at uh, Doomben a few weeks ago and ran a very good third, finishing off strongly. Had the tempo in the race been a little bit stronger, it would have allowed her to uh, to run on and run over the top of those leaders, I'd suggest. 1,400 metres on Saturday looks ideal for sunshine in Paris. As I said, she's just got to overcome that wide gate. Where they settled in the run remains to be seen. But I'm going to take all that out of the equation and just say back her. Race 6, number 11. Sunshine in Paris. So I like, I like what you're doing here. You're going to get us off to a, a winning start with race one. Middle of the day, race six. We've just found one there. And then you're going to back it up with one in the final race, race 10, which is the Furphy handicap. Just the one scratching so far, number 11, Devil's Triangle out. Yeah, Matty, I think the whole of the country or everyone having a bet tomorrow will be on this one in the last. Number six, Brumos. Now, Chris Waller trains. Uh, she's an American-bred mare. She's uh, been luckless on a couple of occasions. The latest was her last start. She just could not get a crack at them in the straight at any stage. Uh, jockey was just sitting up in the irons. Nowhere to go. It was a horror story. This time around, guess who jumps on board? J-Mac. Now, if anyone's going to turn her fortunes around, it's going to be him. And uh, I think that she'll win this last race. 
I think there'll be cheers all around the country. This might be the uh, the Christmas ham, this one. Race 10, number six, Frumos. <laughs> Race 10, number six at Randwick. All righty, Eagle Farm we go. So let's start here with race two. There's nine races on the card at Eagle Farm. Primal Scream is out of this one, so we can take out numbers one and nine at the moment. Where are you landing race two at Eagle Farm? Race two, number 10, Star Gamble. Kelly Schweder and uh, Jimmy Orman, our top jockey combined here. Looks an absolutely perfect race for him. He's had the three runs back. He's run first, fourth and third. His third at the Gold Coast last start was in a much stronger race behind RMT, who came out and ran a close uh, placing in the Gateway, uh, one of the features last Saturday at Eagle Farm. Down in weight, down in grade, was down to run at Ipswich, actually, yesterday. Uh, they scratched, would have won that race by about five lengths. They've scratched and decided to run here. That's another positive, I think. He'll be winning. Race two, number 10, Star Gamble. And then into the next we go, a 1,600-metre event. So race three... Yeah, number two here, Al Burke, uh, was a definite non-win. It had about 30-odd starts for one win. Came up here, ran second first up, and then won its next two. So it's gone from a non-winner to a very much informed horse. Now, he really knows how to find the line. He gets back in his races, but he savages the post. 13.50 his last two runs. He gets to the mile tomorrow. I think he'll lap up the mile on what he's been showing of late. Uh, not badly weighted, I didn't think, with the 59. Uh, in this particular race, he'll be charging at them late. I think he'll win. Race three, number two, Al Burke. And then race five, mate, over 2,100. So the Ascot Green Grand Prix stakes. We've got a clear favourite here, number one, but a small field, just eight in the field. Yeah, and I'm going to say number one here. I don't like tipping them at short odds, Matty, as you know, but uh, I really think this, this horse is the better of the day and this horse is really going places. We've got uh, the other one there from uh, your neck of the woods in number three, Tradition, trained by uh, uh, James Cummings. Jimmy Byrne will ride, racing really well. Last start winner at Canterbury, but I just think Kovalika. Bolted in at Doombin last time out. Chris Waller and Jimmy Orman combined. Four starts in total. Has not put in a bad run. I think he'll be winning and winning clearly. Best of the day, be the anchor for everyone's multis. Race five, number one, Kovalika. Kovalika it is. Good on you, mate. Uh, have a great weekend. Thank you for everything across the year. Have a wonderful Christmas, and we will regroup next year for a winning 2023. <laughs> we're, we're backing you in, buddy. You must have no one else. That's all I can think of, mate. That's no one else. Thank you very much. I appreciate it to you and yours. Have a great uh, Christmas, and to all the listeners, in the, we'll look forward to doing it all again in the new year. Uh, talk about putting the pressure on. Thank you, Chris. Good on you, mate. So Randwick, race one, number three, snapback. Uh, race 6, number 11, Sunshine in Paris. And race 10, number 6, Frumos uh, with J-Mac on board. Eagle Farm, race 2, number 10, Star Gamble. Race 3, number 2, Alberk. And race 5 there, number 1, Kovalika. So racing across Ramwick and Eagle Farm, thanks to Chris Nelson. And we will um, have him back next year. He's a great man, does a lot of work. He hasn't had some luck lately, but uh, let's hope that he gets it back online. 0457 736 736, top sporting moments, your moment of the year. Um, well, McHugh says, my moment of the year was Brandy coming out and saying something most NRL supporters have thought for 10 years. The Melbourne Storm brought all the grub tackles, etc. into the game. Well said, Brandy. Uh, thank you for that one. Uh, the Socceroos make the last 16 in a World Cup and we're all over them. The Wallabies lose by a point in consecutive weeks to teams ranked one and two in the world, yet we want to sack Dave Rennie. Merry Christmas, Mr. Quintessential. Oh, there's a thought process for us to try and digest in the last show of the year. 45 minutes left, so still plenty of time 
for us to debate anything on the table. Back after this. Welcome back to the program. Uh, we're going to continue some sporting moments right now. I wanted to play you this one uh, that one of our listeners did yell out, and it's certainly a big moment, and especially for those that were there. And we're talking the Australian Open. We're talking Nick Kyrgios and Thanasi Kokonakis winning the doubles. Three championship points for the special case. Kyrgios serving out wide. Ebden returns. Kokonakis at the nets. They've done it. Thanasi Kokonakis and Nick Kyrgios. In 2013, they won the Wimbledon Juniors doubles as boys. And now in 2022, they've won the Oz Open doubles as men. I mean, when I'm playing for someone else, my effort's always there. Obviously, at times in my career, I've been a bit, you know, is he, is he present or not? But <laughs> I'm just happy about this. Honestly, I'm just super. He's going to lap it up tonight. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm so happy. Yeah, doing what they want to do. I mean, that was, I think that was the key takeaway from that one, especially from Nick Kyrgios. But going the distance, reshaping the way I think that um, fans were engaging, especially with doubles, nothing against doubles, but if you go back through the history, it wasn't the most enlightening, um, wasn't the most go-to ticket that you want to buy at a Grand Slam, but it was must-see stuff when the special case got rolling and the fact that they went the distance in that one and not only that, but they took such a crowd run with them was just an extraordinary outcome. And then, of course, Nick Kyrgios went almost all the way at Wimbledon. So certainly one of the top sporting moments of 2022. Uh, morning, Matt and Co says Hillstorm Hillary last time for the year and a big year it's been with some huge discussions. You're right about that. <laughs> I mean, if you go back throughout the course of the three hours that we spend each day with each other, um, right here on SEN and the amount of storylines that come out of those. Some last in the, in the blink of an eye. Some are gone and some last for at least a week, if not more. But you're right. Huge discussions. Thanks for the great listening and fair point of views. That's what we try to get to. Can't wait for you to be back in 2023. Thank you for that, Hillstorm. Hillary, uh, can you please tell me how Brisbane Heat let Chris Lynn go? When looking at the team last night, they have only average players in the top order at best, says Ben. I, I can't. I can tell you that he's now got a new home at the Adelaide Strikers and I'll be front and centre watching him go tonight. But Matt Short's also been an incredible story. I pointed some facts and figures out this morning that in six previous seasons, he'd scored 450 runs. I'll find it for you. But 458 runs in six seasons of BBL. Last season, Matt Short hit 493. And on Wednesday night in the season opener, went 84 off 53 balls. He'll be there tonight against the Sydney Thunder. So not only a bit of insanity, but look out for Matt Short as well. Um, how they let him go, I'm not sure of the machinations behind that. If somebody's got more details on that, why don't you let me know? 25 minutes after 11 in Sydney, 25 after 10 in uh, Queensland. Uh, thanks, Matty and the SEN crew for lots of laughs and awesome talks, uh, talking points throughout the year. Looking forward to 2023. And go Manly, says the Western Sydney Eagle. This one from Mark and Dremoyne off the back of Craig Goodwin's comments yesterday uh, while he was at the airport. And I've played them a couple of times now, but just a, a quick recap for you. It was around his position of being in the promotional video to um, trumpet the signing of the A-League Grand Final to Sydney for three years. And then, of course, we all know that the next day he came out and said, I don't support this at all, which then begged the question, what the heck was he doing in the video? 
Well, he explained it further to say he was going to be asked when they did the filming two questions. One was around grand finals and the other one he refused to answer, which was why do you support this decision to have Sydney and having a neutral venue essentially or a certain venue for the next three years? He refused to answer it because he doesn't support it, yet they still used him in the promotional video off the back of his response to what he was saying, what grand finals can do for Australian players. Mark says, Craig Goodwin, to grow the game, it needs neutral fans. To say the atmosphere will be no good with neutral fans is what's wrong with the game. It's time for all fans and players to support growth and share the game with neutral supporters. Mark, I agree with that. I wouldn't be pointing the finger at Craig, even though he said that, because if I was Craig Goodwin right now, I'd be furious. Not unhappy, not confused. I'd be downright furious that if my position was so strong to the point where I refused to answer the question that was being asked around the deal to be done for the grand final, yet I was still used in a promotional video about the deal that was done for the grand final, I'd be furious. I'm amazed that he hasn't completely and utterly blown his top on this one. But as Clint Bolton put it so wonderfully this morning, this is a mature voice in the game, having a very, very clear say on where he stands in this issue. Why on earth the A-League, the Australian Professional Leagues, thought it was wise to put them in the middle, put him in the middle of this situation, in the middle of their promotional video, I'll never know. So I'm going to cut some slack to Craig Goodwin on the fact here that neutral fans, etc., and his position on it, because I agree with you, Mark. I think that the game does need to grow. And I'll go back to what I said at the start of this. When I was hit with the conversation that if my team ain't in the grand final, I'm not interested, I go, well, that's exactly what the game should be trying to do, get everyone interested in a grand final. So that's part of the reasoning behind that. I think it's, it sits with the game to try and grow support as much as it can. But, hey, on Craig Goodwin's side, man, he should be absolutely furious to be portrayed in that light. McGrath's Hill Tiger says, Matty, thanks for the best sporting program. Thank you, McGrath's Hill Tiger. You always talk sense. Well, don't know about that. Have the courage of your convictions. Try to. While sometimes I don't always agree, I also respect your opinions. Thank you. Have a great Christmas and can't wait for the return in 2023. Um, you summarise it well, McGrath's Hill. We have a crack. We back ourselves. We don't think that we're always in the right here, and I certainly don't think I'm always in the right. But I tell you what. I think at the start of this week in particular, I think our discussion around this A-League Grand Final, and, and it's going to be you know, one of the big stories to end the season, end the year on, I think it reflected beautifully what this show is all about. We try and make sense of the world of sport together. We have laughs. Sometimes it's serious. Sometimes we go down heavy. Sometimes I pop my cork. That's all fine. But we try and make sense of it together. And I am always up for asking you your opinions and you to educate me. And I went into that grand final discussion with a clear opinion from the business side of it and everything else, but I needed the other side of it and a lot of you delivered. And I think that is what this morning show is all about. So we'll continue that and I appreciate the fact that you enjoy that as well. Enjoy it sometimes and clash with us sometimes, all part of the fun of the game. Uh, how about maybe get your minions to get Desi on the show now as well? He'd be great, I reckon, says the Berkeley Eagle. Well, 
Well, well, well. We might put that to the to the board meeting, to the editorial board meeting, because we've got Tommy's Tribune still to come. So be part of that. 0457 736 736. Here's the news. Independent, trustworthy and dazzling. Time now for Tommy's Tribune. Yes, it is. For the final time this year, we're going to convene, or we are convening this editorial meeting. Two questions, Tommy, before we get into the headlines. Number one. Yes. Have you got your phone fixed? No, no, I don't. I don't. You don't? Yeah, okay. I don't. You're going to finish 2022 with that pink line down the side of your phone. The pink lightsaber, yeah. Uh, yeah, I am. I am. Okay. You know what? I am. Fair enough. Second Which, question. Yes. Uh, have you ever considered using that jingle for Tommy's Tribune as your ringtone? I was thinking about that. Or maybe my voicemail. <laughs> I can leave it for my voicemail. Hi. Sorry, Tom, Thomas can't get to the phone right now. Uh, He's too busy making up headlines yeah, with exactly. no stories. I might make it. that my ringtone. But you know, Matt, funny thing actually from the staff party last night. I'm standing around all in a group talking, what do you know, and I hear this irritating, annoying, just disgusting song, and mm. it's the glory, glory to South Sydney. I go, what, why oh, is that being played in the veranda bar? And old Coach K, Keen Kramer, who produces the afternoon show, whips out his phone. It's his bloody ringtone. <laughs> Who decides to have glory, glory to South Sydney as their ringtone? I just, I said, Keen, what are you doing? That is just yeah. woeful, woeful from could, him. So I Could have I, been worse. Yeah, it could have been the manly one. I know. Hey, 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 hey. Could have been worse. Sweet Caroline. Yeah, it could have been know? Sweet Caroline. <laughs> We're going to play it one oh. final time. Uh. Everyone now. Bah, bah, bah. There we go. There you go. Yeah, let's park it for 2023. Park it for 2020. And this is somebody, see, Tommy, this is a thing. This is somebody who, who grew up loving that song. My mum used to play that song. Like we all absolutely love Sweet Caroline. Sing along to it, no problems. It's the overused part that got me. Is it the most overused song, overplayed song? It's up there with it's up there with horses. It's up there with yeah. Ho- I, I think horses is my Sweet <laughs> Caroline. It's oh, maybe when I'm very, very, very inebriated, but. Stone Cold Sober Horses is just seriously this again. Does he have any other songs, Daryl Braithwaite? I mean, it's, yeah. it's not my, it's not my, I didn't grow up listening to him, but well, it just feels no, like he's a one hit wonder. No, God, hey, easy, easy, easy. Maybe that's so my, Darryl Braith- yeah. Darryl Braithwaite made his, made his name in Sherbet, the band. Uh, no idea. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, Daryl Braithwaite is an absolute legend, mate. I'm not discrediting Abs- him. I'm just saying it just seems Neil like Diamond's that's the only song legend. in his disco- discography. No, it's the only song that sporting organisations around the world can manage to find. Between that and Sweet Caroline, nobody's got anything else. Yeah. Mm. No good. Anyway, that that's a discussion for 2023. Hey, can Let's I see share? If we can come up with a song. Well, before we get to 2023, there are some 2022 moments that stood out to me um, on the sporting field. So I'll, I'll go through my. I'll, I've got five. I'll go five to one. Uh, number right. five, James Tedesco finishes second in Dalian Vodi. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Oh, I'm kidding. The, the, the only part that you're kidding about there is that that would have been number one oh, it if should, it was on your list. Well, I mean, he should have finished number one, but that's another debate for another day. Um, no, number five, Penrith Panthers go back-to-back, win the 2022 NRL Premiership. Um, I think the day after we spoke about the grand final and the key word that was being thrown around was just dominant. It was a, you, you were there, Manny. You called the game. Dominant display from the Penrith Panthers. They thoroughly deserved um, the win, the premiership. Now, two out of three aren't bad. The last three NRL grand finals they've been to, the, of course, they lost in 2020. A big, big task in 2023. Lose Viliami Kikau, 
lose Api Corosau, um, it's going to be a massive, massive task for them. They're going to be the hunted once again from the other NRL teams, and it's going to be very, very interesting watching to see how they go with those key losses. And they also lose Cameron Torreado too. Mm. So uh, what, what number are you up to? I'm up to number four. <laughs> sorry, mate. Just Sorry, just while you were talking, I, I realised that I've, I just sent a message to somebody who I thought was somebody else. And oh. you, know who I sent, you know who I sent it to? Me. The great, the, the great Dougie Bollinger. Oh. <laughs> the great Doug Bollinger. Well, I'm asking him about parking and accreditation for tonight, and he's come back with, sorry, mate, it's Doug. Whoops. Oh, well, Doug, no. you'll be there. He might be the only one there because I don't have my accreditation or my parking. No, uh, I believe JB's got that for you. So it's all, it's all settled for you. Okay, we're sorted. Um, okay, number four. Number four. It's funny. I've got two tennis uh, tennis moments in my in my top five. Number four, Nick Kyrgios and Tanasi Kokonakis. You played the audio before. Mm. 1.725 million people tuned in to watch this on Channel 9. Um, I was saying to Mark before, they reinvigorated doubles tennis for me. They made it interesting. They made it entertaining. They made it enthralling. The kind of bashful style of play that they had on the court was just thrilling and you couldn't not watch it. It was so exciting, so fun to watch. Um, and I was going to bring this up the other day. Why didn't Nick Kyrgios win the John Newcomb medal? I think I know why. He didn't represent Australia at the Davis Cup. Um, but seriously, Ash Barty, lover, respecter, one of the – she's got the highest strike rate of anyone in terms of public approval. But she played one month of tennis in 2022. I know it's about on and off the court – but I mean, Nick Kyrgios won a men's double grants uh, a slam, and then made the Wimbledon uh, made the Wimbledon final. I mean, come on, what are we doing here? I know he's the most mm. polarizing figure in Australian sport, but still, give him the John Newcomb medal, please. Uh, Kokonakis and Kyrgios, what did you think about that one? Yeah, 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 massive. I mean, massive in in terms of what it did. I think you're spot on. I think what what it did for. Um, you take a look at the audiences, but the ride that they took the Australian public on and and throughout the Australian Open on that one is was absolutely massive. And no also, and also the drama that they caused as they progressed. Their opponents got filthy with them. Yeah. The fans, they were divisive. Oh, they're ruining sport, blah, blah, blah. The, the fans that they kind of brought in and that they were, they were booing through all the serves and whatnot, it was funny. And then they even got in the faces of Matt Abdon and Max Purcell in the in the final. And then they were still going at each other after the final. Which, so they well, added a lot of drama to it. One of the things that popped out of that for me is that, you know, we, we spend so much time as as um, commentators around this game and, and people sitting around going, oh, I don't know which Nick Kyrgios I like, you know, which which Nick Kyrgios are we going to get today and which Nick Kyrgios does this and all that kind of stuff. And what's he really, you know what, that was the Nick Kyrgios that he wanted to be. Yep. That's the environment that he wants to play the game in. That's how he wants to play it. And he got that opportunity with his mate on the biggest stage. So that's, in a nutshell to me, if you could, if you could encapsulate what Nick Kyrgios wants out of the game of tennis, which seems to be a continuing question, it's exactly what unfolded in the doubles at the Australian Open. Exactly. Uh, number three, Cameron Smith. You've said it all. Legend, unreal, just a typical Aussie larrikin bloke. I can't wait to see him win more in the future. Number two. Now, this may put you up offside, but number two is Ash Barty. Now, I remember when Ash Barty won in January, I said, and she broke that, what, 38-year drought for an Australian woman winning the, win, winning the Australian Open. I said, nothing's going to top this. Nothing is going to top this. Give her the crown of best sporting moment or best Aussie sporting moment of 2022. But then the ride of emotions that we've had the last month and a half with the Socceroos has been just completely mental. I mean, I, 
I remember Mark said to me at the start of the World Cup, you know, no other sport can can do this in Australia. We can get thousands of people outside watching the game all in unison at 2 a.m. And I, I was a, I was a little bit. When I was a bit taken aback when he said that. I said, oh, what about cricket? You know, it's a massive international game. And then as the, as the games went on, as Socceroos progressed, I agreed with him. And what, what the Socceroos did for the country, you saw the live sites all around in every single major city in Australia. For me, their World Cup campaign, the fact that they made the round 16 and they had the number one moment for me just shows how incredible that achievement was. And so Ash Barty, number two, Socceroos, number one. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let us know what you think around that. Now, we do have to get to headlines. Yes. But you've been so busy um, recovering yes. and working out your sporting moments that you've actually come in for the final editorial meeting of Tommy's Tribune without any headlines. Is this correct? Well, Matty, you know what? I just said I've done a lot of work this year and <laughs> I want to... I, okay, I, I don't want to hey, input any more headlines like this year. Sporting administrators in this country with your gobbledygook. So yes, yeah. that was correct, right? You've you've yeah. rocked in with no headlines. To follow Danny Towns, and I'm going to be the innovator, and I'm going to let Mark take it away and share his headlines. <laughs> well, luckily, next Friday, the 23rd, Julian is covering uh, just before Christmas. I've got Charles. I've got Chuck's controversy corner coming back. We we can I'm I'm on that show as well, so we can review these ones next Friday as Beautiful. well. Beautiful. So all, all all comes for a circle. So my three right. I've got. So you've got some headlines, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. So first one is just Armstrong. Scott after freak Scott Boland injury, Lance Morris makes Test debut taking three. Armstrong. So Lance Armstrong, and he's got a big arm as well. So are Armstrong. we giving this a tick, Matt, or a ding? Yeah, it's a ding. That's a I ding. Sorry, that. mate. Too much of a stretch. Yeah, I mean, way much to, of a to stretch. To be honest, Mark, nothing against our readership base, which is very, very small and very limited, but yeah. nothing against it. But we, we, we just like them. We don't like to think too much yeah. about our headlines, okay. do we? Sorry, I'm sorry. Well, clever, clever. This yeah. one's a little easier, hopefully. Okay. And number two, the town's end is nigh. APL CEO resigns. Oh, wow. The town's end is nigh. I like that. Give it a tick. Yeah. You put some serious thought into this. And then the final one, this is more of a longer one. It's not for something that's happening this week. Okay. Uh, Comes with a disclaimer. That's always a worry. Uh, Suter gets a ton. Harry Suter gets big money Premier League move to Everton. I love it. Yeah, good tick. Harry Suter, unreal. January January 3rd or 4th, transfer window opens over there. He gets the big move. The 6'6 defending giant. The big fella. Right, let's go through some of our listeners. Still got time if you want to dive in. Um, uh, Pedro says Webster loses rag over SEN snub. No, 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 no. No snub. No snub. We're doubling down. No, there is no snub for Webby. He'll be front and centre next year. Don't worry about that. Uh, Stu from Cronulla, get this buddy party started. Yeah, tick. Yeah, that's, that's tick. Absolutely. Do you want to keep you keep reading there? Electric Tommy? Edric excels with Fabulous Five. So this was is our good mate Two Buck Chuck sending in that about Edric Lee. I can't remember. I think it was against. He scored five tries this year. My mind is escaping me, but mm. it's about that. Give it a tick. Yeah. We we have Fabulous a messy five. we have a messy goat. Messi beats <laughs> France with a double. What well, Dan? You had the layup there. He could have said Messi beats France with a brace. Oh, we true. need to use brace, but true. you still get a tick. We have a messy goat. Well, isn't rambunctious meant? Wasn't rambunctious meant to be used? Yeah, so maybe if that you was... can if you can quickly send in a headline with rambunctious <laughs> and brace, then you get the signal boost power bank. Uh, hey, fellas, sport headline twenty twenty two: Dolphins fail and bid to have debut match moved to SeaWorld. Tick. <laughs> 
And another one here, it's a messy Xmas. That's a good one. Tick. Yep. And that last one. Oh, no, we got two more. Supermarkets run out of tissues as A-League fans can't stop crying over grand final decision. Merry Christmas to all at SEN. Yeah, that's a, that's a bit too long as well. Yeah. And yeah. last one from Mick the Gong. Despite minor criticism, A-League heavies lobby to have entire season played in Sydney. Yeah, that's a tick. That's a tick. <laughs> nice work. Final edition of uh, Tommy's Tribune for 2022. Uh, just a final text before we break. Des the Mad Courier. Listen all the time. Love your work. As HG and Roy would say, too much sport is barely enough. Cheers and have a great break. Thank you, Des. We certainly will. Back after this. Oh, they've come in thick and fast. Uh, some final efforts for Tommy's Tribune with the words rambunctious and brace uh, included. Jace, rambunctious Argentina win Messi's missing prize. That's a good one. Brace yourself, rambunctious Frenchman bury England. This <laughs> the mad courier. Tommy falls at SEN's rambunctious Christmas party. Arm is in a brace, says Pedro. Uh, yeah, didn't happen, but but yeah. The Western Sydney Eagle just said rambunctious brace. <laughs> it was, I mean, he was asked to use both and did so. Uh, morning show to embrace rambunctious Webby. Yes, that's a good one. It's exactly what we'll be doing. Thank you for that. Stu, Jules is in the chair for the next three hours. Um, ready to rock and roll, mate? Hello, Matthew. Of course, I was born ready. How many of our listeners... Esteemed mm. listeners would be just secretly Googling the meaning of the word rambunctious. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, we, <laughs> in reflection of Tommy's Tribune, Tribune, remember, we don't like to dig too deep. It's it's a very shallow pond. We just roll out. <laughs> from we just roll out a headline. Clearly emerged from the shallow end of the gene pool, Thomas. <laughs> That's a, how was uh, your birthday? Mate, it was good. Just a little cameo at the Christmas party last night. I had a couple of mid-strengths and came home so my son and daughter could sing me happy birthday before I put them to bed. But it was nice. Yeah, everyone was uh, very, very kind and very, very lovely. So so thank you. And I should, while we're on thank yous, I should thank you mm-hmm. too, Matthew. I know it's your last show of the year, but I want to say thank you for handing me the keys to your program whenever you've been away. It's, it's been a great privilege to fill in. No, and likewise, mate. Appreciate that. Uh, and, of course, you've got the next three hours to go. So mm. what's on the plate? By the way, mate, yep. have you seen the photo of the Gabba pitch? I've not seen it yet. Why? Green, uh, is it? Or... It's green. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, well, you it's know, got... traditionally they say, you know, the first session is not the worst time to bowl. There's a bit in it early. So if the, mm. if the openers can sort of withstand that, then it flattens out. It's still probably the best cricket wicket in the country, but... I don't mind it. It's, it's a Worth decent having bowl. a look at. Two, two somewhere world. in the middle, yep. somewhere in the middle of that outfield, they'll put six sticks in and put some bales on it and go. There's the, <laughs> there's the pitch. No, two, it looks green. Yeah, two world class bowling attacks. I'm looking forward to this World Cup final. You know, France and Argentina. I'm tipping France. I think I actually want France to win. But my new favourite player would have to be Julian Alvarez because he's a Julian. And, of course, you recall in that semi-final against Croatia, Alvarez did score a rambunctious brace. Oh, thank hey, you, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. I'll be if talking. the microphone wasn't on, a, uh, <laughs> wasn't on a brace there, you could have just rambunctiously dropped it on your way out. Yes, and I may do Ooh. it once more. I'm going to chat to Jordan Canellis, who's been outstanding uh, calling all the, the matches for the network this uh, tournament. We'll preview the final. Staffy is going to have a chat as well. And, and this will be fun. Chris Dixon. Now, he is in Australia's... World Cup side for the over-40s cricket team. This is something you and I would qualify for. Mm. In fact, James Anderson would qualify, which would be a little bit frightening <laughs> as well. So a, a bit of fun on the eve of, of the first test between Australia and South Africa. Hey, can I give a, a sporting moment quickly? 
Yes. There's been many, and, and yes, I love the Socceroos. I don't know if it's been mentioned, but as a Dragons fan, as a Queensland supporter, Benny Hunt, the intercept, Origin 3, his little legs pumping all the way down the field. <laughs> I was just happy for him because, you know, the spectre of 2015 is always haunting him. Yeah. And I don't know if it was quite redemption, but you know, he seems to have, just with that alone, exercised some of those demons. So I'm happy for, yeah. for Benny Hunt. Yeah. Well, sometimes the game taketh away, but sometimes the game giveth. Indeedeth. The old flickeroonie on that saying. Yes. Nice work. Good on you, mate. Have a great show. Thank you, mate. Julian King coming up. Now Where is Collins it? will put the serve into play to the Barty chip return up the middle. Collins went to cross court at the back end. Ash digs it out. Collins looking to go up the line. Ash on the forehand cross court. She's done it. She's done it. Ash Barty has broken the drought of 44 years. She is the Australian Open champion. This is just a dream come true for me, and I'm I'm so proud to be an Aussie. So thank you so much, everyone. We'll see you next time. Ash Barty winning the Australian Open. That's my big sporting moment of the year without question amongst a whole range of excellent sporting performances by Australians on the world stage. So that wraps it up for this year. I'll be back uh, mid-January and, of course, like I've said throughout the course of this show, Matty Johns will be joining me on a Monday morning, Webby on a Wednesday. As of next year, we're back 100%. So thank you for all of your support. Rafa on the text line says, Matty, you give everyone a fair go on your show. Have a wonderful Christmas. We try to, Rafa. That's one of the main points of what we do here every three hours that we're together. Thank you for listening to this program. Thank you for tuning in to SEN. We'll continue to try and punch your way at the world of sport and make sense of it all. Big thanks to Tommy. Thank you to you, Mark. Have a Merry Christmas, everybody. A really safe New Year period. We'll see you again in 2023.